today? Welcome to week four uh, of a series we're calling Unseen, a series uh, on the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that uh, in just a moment, but I've been taking this portion of our service uh, over the past several weeks and really just taking a moment to highlight uh, what you and I get to be a part of. Action Church is not just a place that we come and gather. It's a place that we grow together and then we go out and we serve our communities. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been able to celebrate a, a single story of a life change at our Sanford location last week. We celebrated all of the, the moms that were serving, 3,000 plus moms in Uganda, 18,000 people uh, in those uh, co-ops, 99 Bible studies, all the things. And then this week, uh, I have the, uh, uh, the privilege to kind of announce a, a new partnership that we've we formed. Uh, Pastor Eddie and Dr. Joel Hunter uh, have been working, uh, and we've uh, got something really, really cool planned for this summer. It's one of the biggest things we, we've ever been able to do together. This summer, we will provide 22,000 tablets in Seminole County to Title I schools, families in need, and veterans. 22,000, all with internet included. All with the hopes that for both for uh, getting jobs, education, uh, people that can't afford internet at home, they'll now have technology which they can access information, do their schoolwork. Uh, it just is amazing what we get a part of. Why do we celebrate it? Why do we do it? Because at Action Church, we believe that we meet needs so that we can arrange a meeting with Jesus. In all of our communities, we want something for you before we expect something from you. And oftentimes we have to go to where people are to reach them with the gospel. And we meet a tangible need and we start a relationship, then we can bring Jesus. That is the ultimate goal. It's not to provide tablets, but to provide Jesus. But if a tablet can give us access to a conversation and they know where it came from, not from us, but from that God loves them, and that we believe in them, that we give an opportunity for them to meet Jesus. So thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for the opportunity for us to do that together. Week four, week four of Unseen. Talking today about what does it mean to live a, a spirit-filled life? You know, no, week one, we talked about what, who is the Holy Spirit? He's the, the wind of God, the, the breath of God, the Ruach, the Numa. And we talked about the idea of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that God the Father plans the trip, it's his will, Jesus the Son paved for the trip on the cross, his life, death, and his resurrection, and the Holy Spirit is our tour guide on this journey of life that we have a tour guide, we have a close proximity, have the ability to have a relationship with the third and equal part of the Godhead, that the Trinity, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Our theme verse has been in Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that may have been you. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you grew up in a denomination, a more conservative denomination, maybe a more reformed denomination that they did not talk about the Holy Spirit. God the Father was talked about, Jesus the Son was talked about, but the Holy Spirit was left off. Oftentimes left off because we, we can't really understand the, the movings and the, the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it was ignorance, sometimes it was a choice. A lot of times it's because the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented by people, by churches, and by denominations. And we may get to the Holy Spirit and think the Holy Spirit is weird. And we've been talking about all series that the Holy Spirit isn't weird, people are weird. And if we're honest, people can make anything weird, including 
the Holy Spirit, and we've been making lists of weird things that we all do. Maybe you're like me. Do you? Uh, one of the weird things I do is I walk about a half marathon every time I'm on a conference call. Anybody else just, you are a pacer when you're on the phone. You're like, the phone rings, I gotta get outside. I mean, that's me. It's like, it's like, a, like I gotta go. Got to go right now. I can't sit here with my ADHD and, and listen to this call. I got to go walk around. Gabby, my boys will laugh at me. It's at least a three mile uh, in, in one hour. Just walk around the table uh, on my back, Lanai, around the pool. Just me. I'm just out there doing circles. If you watch me, I look like a psycho. You know what I mean? I'm just walking around, just walking around. And, and, and I do that so I can half pay attention. But if we're really honest, if you're on a conference call, you really just pre- press mute and you're scrolling on your phone or doing anything you can. You ever get called on in class? You know, I'm 38 years old and I feel like if I'm on a conference call, I still get called on like I'm in like the eighth grade. They're like, Justin, what do you think, huh? Yeah, could, uh, uh, could you just uh, rephrase what you said real quick? Just need to you know, repackage that a little more clearly because honestly, I haven't been listening for the last 15 minutes because you're boring. Uh, you're really boring. Just some weird things that, that we do, like wearing the same clothes a few days in a row. Anybody? Anybody, anybody look at it, kind of smell it and be like, oh, I think it's still good. How long is too long to wear the same pair of jeans? That's really the question I have. I'm plus or minus a year. <laughs> no stains, no smells. Those things are good to go. Anybody else do some weird things like throw your clothes on the floor next to the hamper? That's me. Uh, I have my, my wife here and my mom in here at a house I grew up in. We had a laundry chute that was in my room, and I would pile the clothes next to the laundry chute. It was built for it. Not me. Right? I don't know why. I'm weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. We do weird things. We've talked about these week after week, but the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not some object, it's not some distant thing. It's the personal Holy Spirit that we can have relationship. And what I want to talk about today is what does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? You know, if we grew up around churches, you hear charismatic, you hear Pentecostal, you hear spirit-filled, and, and we associate it with events or services. But what does it look like for a believer to really live a spirit-filled life? It means that you have access to more than you thought. Any, any iPhone users in here, iPhone users, Apple users, real Christians? Yeah. You know there's three. When you get your day of eternity, it's what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with the gifts that I gave you? And were you an Apple user? And if you answer any three of those wrong, you're not getting in. Just kidding. Totally kidding. The first one's true. Uh, I'm an iPhone user, but I'm kind of allergic to that technology. Like I, I, I'm just, I, I am, I'm 38, but I might as well be 88 because I just... I'm not really into apps. I'm not really into games. In fact, on my iPhone, and you know, on an iPhone or an Android, in our smartphones, you have the whole world in the palm of your hand. You got a camera, you got a video camera, you got a flashlight, you got a calculator, which, by the way, my math teacher has great said, you can't always do it with a calculator. You got to show your work because you'll never have a calculator with you at all times. Oh, yeah, good job. You really saw the future there, didn't you, sweetheart? No, (laughs) got it right here. Look at there, everywhere I go. Got apps, got GPSs, got navigation, got, can order food, you can, anything, anything right there. But to access it, you have to actually utilize it. You have to log in. You have to use the app. You have to turn on the phone. What I'm here to tell you today is there's so many of us that have all the spiritual capabilities in our life with a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but it's underutilized. 
And if you're like me, on my computer right now, I literally cannot access websites. I know this is gonna drive some of you crazy. Pastor Parker literally like is pulling his hair out when he gets on my computer because I haven't updated it in about four years. There are literally half the websites that say, we do not support your browser, and I cannot see. I'll go to a website, and it's like, we can't show you anything because you don't have new enough technology. What I'm here to tell you today is some of you have settled for an out-of-date version. You have settled for, you've never updated. You got saved 20 years ago, but you never allowed the Holy Spirit to update you. You've never accessed what's actually available to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a flashlight, but you don't know how to turn it on. You have a calculator, but you don't punch in the numbers. You have access to these updates, to these downloads, to all the things that the Holy Spirit wants to put on the inside of you, but, but you don't access it. It's access to everything, but yet we settle for some or none of it. What does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? What is the evidence of it? A lot of times we think it's last week's sermon. It's the gifts of the Spirit. It's a powerful service. It's a word of prophecy. It's speaking in tongues. All of those are gifts of the Spirit. All of those are, are outpourings of the Spirit. All of those should be manifested in a believer's life from time to time. We should see that in service. We should see that in our life. But the evidence... I want to submit to you this morning, the evidence of a spirit-filled life is not the gifts of the Spirit. We decided last week that the manifestation gifts of the Spirit are owned by the Spirit, used for our benefit and for His glory. Therefore, that's the Holy Spirit working. That's not a fruit of you being filled with the Spirit. That is a fruit of the Holy Spirit being at work in a person's life and in a service. But he's going to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, with whoever he wants. So that's not a fruit of how your character, your life is. That's, that's what he wants to do according to the Father's will and the Spirit's moving. The evidence of a Spirit-filled life is not the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, it says the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of a, a Spirit-filled believer is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness gentleness, self-control, a faithful believer. That, that is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the evidence. The evidence of what's growing under the service is the fruit that it produces. The evidence of a Christian, of a Christ follower, a believer following Jesus and living a Spirit-filled life is that we have joy when everybody else has worry. We have gentleness when everybody else is angry. We have love when everybody else is full of hate. It's not the church services and the gifts and the wow. It's the every single day that we live differently, not according to our flesh, but according to the fruit that the Spirit produces. The evidence of a Spirit-filled life is the fruit of the Spirit. I want to take you today to a couple obscure passages for most of us because I want to talk about what... What the, spirit, the expressions of a spirit-filled life, the expressions of a spirit-filled life, what, what should the life of a believer, how should that be expressed? It is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, but I feel like we've heard that before, most of us. I want to talk about the seven ways in which the Holy Spirit manifests itself throughout the earth. We find this in Revelation 5, the sevenfold Spirit of God. Revelation 5 and Isaiah 11. That's right, we are talking about a spirit-filled life from Revelation 5. In Isaiah 11, it says this in Revelation 5, Then I began to weep bitterly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. That's Jesus. It says he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. Knit it was now standing between the throne. And the four living beings, and among the 24 elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes. 
which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. The sevenfold spirit of God. Seven is the number of fullness, complete. Seven horns would mean the fullness of power. That the Holy Spirit is fullness of power. Seven eyes, fullness of insight. Isaiah 11 talks about this sevenfold spirit of God. Isaiah 11, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. That Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. This new shoot is Jesus, by the way, a branch from David's line. And Jesus will we'll, we'll carry this spirit, and, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, on Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. If Jesus says, it's not my will, but the Father's will, that, that I only do what the spirit leads me to do. We see in Philippians 2 that Jesus he humbled himself. He left his divine privileges, the Bible says. He took the very nature of a slave and he listened to his father's will and the leading of the Holy Spirit. If he needed this sevenfold uh, 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 expression of the Spirit to rest on him and his ministry and his life here, there's no way that you and I can, can lead and live a Spirit-filled life without access to this same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one Spirit. But this is his sevenfold activity. It says he's, he's sending his spirit. God is sending the spirit throughout the whole earth. Seven distinct expressions. And these seven expressions of the spirit of God. Catch this. They do not remain in heaven, but they are sent into all the earth. Which tells us God not only provided a way for salvation and to be in relationship with him. He sent the gift of the spirit to help us navigate this side of heaven as we walk out our salvation. His ultimate goal is to help us reflect and glorify Jesus in every single area of our life. The sevenfold spirit of God, these expressions should be expressions that we live out if we're living a spirit-filled life. The first one, I got seven. I want you to write them down if you're taking notes. So the first one is just the spirit of the Lord, Yahweh. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. This is the, the Holy Spirit of God. It says this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. For the Spirit, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is so much freedom when we're living a Spirit-filled life. It is free from bondage and, and, and the chains of our sin. There's freedom when we're living a Spirit-filled life. So all of us have had the veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, check this out, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That the Holy Spirit is putting a holier spirit inside of you and me. That the, the mark of a, of a believer that is spirit-filled, that is maturing, is that we are looking less like we used to and more like Jesus. That we should not look now, you're not going to be perfect, but there should be some evidence of some change. That may be slower for some of you. That may be slower for some of us. But it should look different. This idea that we're not called to be perfect, but we are called to be maturing in our belief, maturing in our character, that the fruit should be maturing as we are following Jesus longer and longer. 
that we're never gonna be sinless, that's Jesus. But this process of sanctification, the spirit of the Lord resting on us will never be sinless, but there should be a process of us sinning less. We should sin less than we used to. We should be coming more and more like Jesus and less and less about ourselves and our own standards and our own ideas and our own, our own ways. The Holy Spirit should make you holier. And too many times in churches, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's like super Christian. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit makes me holier than you being filled with him. I'm saying the Holy Spirit makes me holier than me. That I, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that I'm holier than I used to be. This is not a comparison game. Nobody's going to be with you on your day of eternity. I'm not trying to be holier than you. I'm just trying to be holier than former me. It's the Spirit of the Lord. The second one, write this down, is the Spirit of Wisdom. It's the Spirit of Wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. is for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and, and understanding. Psalm 37:30, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. It's the spirit of understanding. It's the spirit of wisdom that I just believe that as Christ followers, we should have better ideas. We should have more intuition. We should make better decisions because if we're living a spirit-filled life, we have the spirit of wisdom on the inside of us. It shouldn't just be that you're wise beyond your years. It should be you're wise beyond you. Like, how did you think that? How did you get there? How did you get that clarity? I don't know. It wasn't me. It was God. The evidence of a spirit-filled life will be somebody who's living with wisdom. So I want to ask you, are your relationships full of wisdom? Your financial decisions, are they full of wisdom? Your parenting, is it full of wisdom? All the areas of your life, is there fruit of wisdom coming out of it? If not, maybe in that area, you've not allowed God the proper control to live out a spirit-filled life and produce the spirit of wisdom. The third one is this, write this down, the spirit of understanding. The spirit of understanding, Colossians 1 says, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with knowledge of his, his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We should ask way less for opinions and for an earthly understanding. We should ask way more for God's will and an eternal understanding. It's a spirit of understanding. Job 32 verse eight says like this, but it is the spirit in a person. Check this, how it correlates the spirit and the pneuma, the ruach. The, we talked about week one, but as the spirit of person, the breath, of the almighty God that gives them understanding, that we don't get understanding, true biblical spiritual understanding from earthly knowledge. We get it from the spirit of God. You need understanding. You need God's understanding. You need to see it God's way or from his perspective to walk through all the things, to produce the fruit in seasons that we don't understand. We need the spirit of understanding. Because understanding, it brings security. When I understand something, make this practical or spiritual, when I understand something, I go from insecure to secure. When I see the whole field, when I'm not connecting my own dots, when I, when I understand it, I, I feel secure. And secure leads to a godly comfort. 
When I'm secure, I'm comfortable. When you're secure in a relationship, you're comfortable. There's intimacy. There's authenticity. Security, it brings comfort. And then comfort allows peace to replace worry, that I'm, now, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm secure. I don't have to worry because I have understanding. I'm operating in peace. And then peace, if we'll allow it, will produce hope. That no matter what I'm walking through, I'm secure. I'm content. I'm comfortable, not in like a comfort zone or a lazy comfort, but no, I'm, just, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable in my calling. So I have this peace and I have this, this hope. It's the spirit of understanding that we can just see things in a different way if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. The next one is the spirit of counsel. Again, the seven expressions of a spirit-filled life, the spirit of counsel. John 14, verse 16 and 17 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him because he abides with you and he'll be in you. It's the spirit of counsel that God's going to lead you, that God's going to talk to you, that God's going to show you the way when you don't know where to go, that he's going to lead you in a new direction. It's the spirit of counsel. It's this idea that we have this comforter, we have this counselor, so we don't have to walk the journey alone. We have this comforter and this counselor who is fully God, and the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So that means when he tells us the direction, we don't have to question it. When he gives us the answer, we don't have to question it because he is the great counselor. We talked about a similar example in week one, the canary in a cave, but we were, we were talking through our, our sermon team. We talked about this other idea. When miners would get lost in a cave and the lights would go out, the the, the, 100 years ago, 120 years ago, they would have, you know, candles or torches or lanterns. And if that ever went out due to a lack of oxygen or just an accident, and it was completely dark, they're, they're lost, right? And they're lost in a cave. They don't, they don't know where to go. They don't know which way is up, which way is down. They're in a new area, both miners and maybe anybody's just in a cave. One of the trainings is to stop to be quiet, can't see anything. So you gotta listen maybe, but most importantly, you gotta feel because there's always a draft. And wherever the draft is coming from is the way out of your current dire situation. And I think oftentimes the spirit of counsel is like following the draft. That you may not be able to see it, you may not be able to hear it, but if you'll stop and you'll listen, if you'll stop and you'll just align your spirit with his spirit, that you will have an encounter, you'll have a feeling, you'll have a moment with the spirit of counsel that will say, hey, this is the way that you should go. Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or the left, you'll hear a still, small, quiet voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Oftentimes, a spirit of counsel is not a yell, it's a whisper. Because he wants you to be close enough to listen. Because what he has to say is not for everybody else, it's just for you. He's saying, hey, 
that's not the way. Hey, that's not the decision. Hey, that's not the person for you. It's the spirit of counsel that brings understanding and wisdom and direction to our life, especially in the times maybe that we're lost and we don't know the way out. The spirit of counsel. Here's the next one. The spirit of strength. Spirit of strength. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Come on now, everybody say power. power. Yeah, power. But you'll receive power. I need some power. I don't like living in a house without power. I don't like, you know, storms take the power. Like power brings good things. You know what I mean? Like I need power both practically, but more importantly, we need power spiritually. You'll see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses about me or to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This power is, is energy, it's passion, it's boldness, it's confidence. Too many believers uh, have a lack of confidence, have a lack of passion, have a lack of boldness because they don't get the first part of Acts 1-8. They want to go be witnesses in my business and my family. I want to go. I want to go to action steps. I want to do small groups. I want to go outreach. I want to go, go, go. But if we don't receive first, we're going to run out. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get burned out. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get distracted because I have not received power from God. The only boldness, the only passion, the only power you need is not from us. It's not from a church service. It's not from a small group. It's not from an initiative. It's not from a brand. It's not from a ministry. If you want to be successful in your Christian life, you need the power of God. Affirmation will run out. Momentum will run out. Helping people and the feel good with it will run out. But the power of God the passion that only God can put on the inside of you. The boldness and the confidence of saying, I'm just going to be who God's called me to be regardless of what people say or how I feel. We need his power. The spirit of power will get you through things that you could never get through on your own. Here's the next one, the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge, John 14, 25 and 26. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. It's great news. He's going to reveal things to us and bring you to remembrance all the things that I said to you, that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of knowledge, will reveal and will remind. He'll reveal and he'll remind. But if we want to walk in knowledge, we need to gain some knowledge. Like, I pray that he reveals it to you, but, but as believers, I think there should be revelation, but at a certain point, a mature believer, it should be a lot more about reminding than revealing. What do I mean by that? I mean that for God to, to, to use the spirit of knowledge, we need to know something about God. If we're going through a crisis, it's way better for us to know a passage, to have a word, to have a story that which we go to. We know, I know God did it for them. I'm going to cling to that. I know this principle. It's way easier. It's a big book than us just saying, God, speak to me. What in the world is this? Found myself in Levit. I'm in times of trouble, and I found myself in Leviticus. It's going to help me with my scabs, but I don't know how it's going to help me with my. I really thought that was going to be funny both times. Y'all don't know your Bible. That's it. Y'all don't know your Bible. Ain't nobody read Leviticus. You got to the one in your Bible every year, and you skipped it. Holy Spirit sees you. I feel like you may understand a little bit, but I'm just saying. It's a spirit of knowledge that we need these reminders, but we need a foundation of truth. For us to walk in the spirit of knowledge, I feel like we have to have a, an authentic relationship which we're pursuing 
what God has done, what God has said. I, I pray that he reveals new things to you that will always line up with scripture, by the way. There has not ever been a revelation of God that would contradict God. But I really feel like that the sign of a mature believer is there's still revelation, but there's a lot more reminders of, oh, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, like, that's right, God. He says he's going to reveal all new things to you, but he's going to remind you of the teachings of God, the spirit of knowledge. Here's the last one. And I think this is the first step. I really do. I think this is the foundation of a spirit-filled life. Now, the foundation is the relationship with Jesus. But this is the first step post-salvation is your perspective of who God is. Write this down. It's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. It's a holy fear. It's not, I'm afraid of God. It's I have the right perspective of who he is. That he's God and I'm not. He's in control and I'm not. Let me, let me illustrate. I've got two boys, Bentley and Kingston, 12 and 8. And we're close. Like we're, we're, we are best friends. And I, I pray that always stays. But we, we do everything together, sports, wrestle, talk trash, cut up read the Bible, pray together. We do, we do, all, we do all the things, like all the time. When, when they're with me, that's, that we are together, and, and, and I love them. You ever been with your kids, and they forget their place? Come on, you're playing sports, or maybe we're wrestling, and, and I'm talking trash, and then, and then Bentley, he's 12, he's kind of, you know, becoming a man a little bit. He's trying to try dad a little bit, like he's, he's pushing back, and you have to remind him who his daddy is. Who are you talking to? I think you just forgot that I brought you in. I could take you out. I'll kill you. Kill you. Now, you're going to go to heaven. I'm going to pray that God raised you for the dead, but I will remind you. And then I make him feel death by putting him in a chokehold. Not abuse, just appropriate. UFC style referee. He can tap. I'm not going to actually going to kill him, but one inch from death. Because I need him to see with proper perspective, who's in charge. And you're a long way from being in charge, son. Too many of us, for whatever reason, have gotten too familiar with God. And we've talked to him like he's an equal or like he cares about your opinion. And the fear of the Lord, there's a proper perspective of who God is puts us in a place of submission and surrender where we can actually live a spirit-filled life. You cannot be full of God and full of yourself. And full of yourself does not have an appropriate fear of God. You should not be afraid of him, but you should understand that he's in control and that you're not. That he is gracious, he is merciful, and he is grace-filled. But by the way, he can do whatever he wants. And the fact that I can't hurt him, but he's all in power and control, like there should just be some reverence. <clears throat> that you created everything from nothing, I probably shouldn't be telling you what to do. This spirit of the fear of the Lord is the first step in living a, a spirit-filled life when we understand, God, you're in control. I cannot be full of myself and full of you. I cannot lead myself. There cannot be two leaders. And so this is saying, you lead, and I'll follow. You call, and I'll listen. You say go, and 
The answer is yes, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I'm gonna give us three things that we should pray. I close out every Freedom Conference with this, so if you've been to Freedom, you've heard this before, but I, I cannot talk about living a spirit-filled life and not give you these three practical challenges, these three practical prayers. The first one is this, that we should all pray leaving today, Holy Spirit, show me. Convict me of where I fall short. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. <clears throat> Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, show me where, where I'm messing up. Show me where I'm full of myself. Show me where I don't have a proper respect for God. Show me where I'm leaning on my own understanding. Just show me, show me. Open up your mind, open up your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, show me. Convict me of where I fall short. Number two, Holy Spirit, change me. Conviction should lead to repentance. Allow me to change. Romans 8, those living according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what nature desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Change the things that are broken in me. Change the things that are keeping me from you. Change the things that are not allowing me to live a Spirit-filled life. Show me, change me, and write down this last one. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. Fill me with everything I need to accomplish what you're calling me to accomplish. Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 18. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. There's just, once we receive Jesus, I, eternity is, is secure. But I just see so many people living their, their life the wrong way. Like without joy, without love, without peace, without patience, without gentleness, without self-control. Like I see people living without understanding, without knowledge, and without power without the spirit of the Lord and without a holy and reverent fear, without wisdom, like you're making it, but you're just surviving. Like somebody needs to hear today, you're not gonna get credit for just surviving. Jesus didn't die and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit just for you to barely make it. There should be perseverance, but there should be endurance. But he didn't give us access to this Holy Spirit just to barely make it and be miserable and survive. I just barely got across the finish line, just suffering for Jesus. It's just not the, it's not the goal. There's a different way to do it. This old preacher story I shared a couple years ago at Freedom, I think it'll illustrate the whole series, we bring it to a close. It's a story about a man 100, 120 years ago taking a journey from Europe to America. Dirt poor, living in poverty, trying to find the American dream for his wife and his three kids. He says, I'm gonna go. So he works for two or three years, saves up all of their money so he can book passage on a ship destined for New York, destined for America. 
Doesn't have enough money to bring the wife and kids. Just said, I'm going to go and I'm going to make a way. I have a destination. I have a plan. I have a place. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to get a job. And then I'm going to send funds back. And we are going to live out the American dream together. We're going to make it. We're going to get out of this poverty. And and I believe that we're going to make it together. So he finally saves up and he books it. The problem is he had only enough for one ticket, only enough to get on the ship. One small single cabin by himself. So he had no money for, for belongings, no, no, no money to, to book storage of any of his stuff, no money for food. So his wife scrapes together some, some spare change. He goes and gets a, a hard wheel of cheese that will last the whole trip and some crackers. And if he rations it out just a little bit per day for the three-week journey, by the time he gets to New York, he'll be just running out and he'll make it. So he does it, and he's happy to do it. He's excited because the destination where he's going has all of the hope for his future, and he's just, he's just gonna make it. So he gets up day one, he's walking around the ship, has his little breakfast, cheese and crackers, walking around, sea air, looking out over the ocean. On the top deck, he looks in and sees everybody having their brunch. Come on, got the omelet bar and the mimosas. They got everything going on in there. Doesn't bother him because he's got a destination. I'm good, I'm good. Next day does the same thing. Grabs his rations, goes and walks around the ship. Grabs his ration, goes and walks around the ship. Well, it just happens that day 21, it's his last day of food, eats his last meal. He goes up on the top deck and in the horizon, they see the Statue of Liberty in the skyline of New York City. He made it. He made it just in time. He's looking at the horizon, dreaming, expectant, excited for what's about to come. And one of the ship's attendants come up, comes up to him and says, how was your journey? He said, man, it's, it's been kind of tough, you know. Barely made it, had my little cabin, had, but I'm here now, so I'm good. And he said, sir, I don't, I don't mean to offend you and I don't mean to step into your business, but did we do something to wrong you on this trip? He said, no, sir, quite the opposite. I've had, I've had a fine experience. I just, he's like, well, I noticed we didn't see you at any of the events, any of the breakfast, any of the lunch, any of the dinners. Like you, you never were around for any, anything that was going on with other people. You never had one meal with us. I, I assumed that we did something wrong. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I saved up for this one cabin. I saved up for this trip. And, and my wife, she got me this, this wheel of, of hard cheese and these crackers, and I just rationed it out the whole time. But now I made it. Attendant takes a step back and says, Sir, you got to be kidding me. Did you not understand that with the price of the ticket on the ship, that everything on the ship was included? Every meal, every event, every happy hour, all these things were included. And I'm here to tell you today that when you book the ticket by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything was included. The gifts, the power, the fruit, the mercy, the grace, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control, the spirit of knowledge and understanding and power. It's all included, but too many Christians have settled for a cheese and crackers Christianity in which you just ration and survive. And I just got to make it. And if I just push through and I just 
just do it on my own and I just settle for religion and tradition and I'll feel, no. There is something available to you. A spirit-filled life is not for a super Christian. It's available for everybody. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because I'm sending you a gift. And that gift is unopened or underutilized by most, but it's available. You're walking around and watching other people and saying, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. And I'm here to tell you today, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. And when the ticket was punched on the cross through his life, death, and resurrection, you have access to everything you need through the spirit of God. You just got to say, Holy Spirit, show me, convict me. By the way, that is the way to Jesus. Convict me of my sin. Change me. I repent. And then fill me. I'm believing today is going to be a first time being filled with the Holy Spirit today for a lot of you because you are receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But for maybe even more, it's a day in which you really put him back on the throne of your life. That spirit of the fear of the Lord is what you need to say you're in control and I'm not. And I'm re-surrendering my life to you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's no longer an excuse. And he's here today, tangibly here to meet with you, to fill those broken places, to be that spirit of counsel, to be that power. Or for maybe for some of you to lead you to the most important decision you can ever make, and that is making Jesus the Lord of your life. So I wanna give that opportunity right now, both here at Winter Park and Sanford Online. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, by repenting and changing your way, say, I'm no longer in control, you're in control. For some of you, for the first time ever, others of you, it's a day of recommitment that you're accepting what Jesus did. His life lived perfectly for you. His death on a cross, taking your place. His resurrection giving you victory over the things you're struggling with. The death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its power. That's you today. Say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. I got one, two, three. Yeah, hands up all over the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's in the back. Yes, sir. Yep, yep, yep. Come on, I'm recommitting my life. I've been in control. I've gotten too familiar with God. I'm making him the Lord of my life today, surrendering control to him. A couple more, yeah. Come on, Sanford, and online. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, would you pray this in your heart as I prayed out loud? Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord, and I give you that place, complete control. God, have your way. Thank you for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us that we would live out a spirit-filled life, the fruit of the Spirit, and this sevenfold expression of the Holy Spirit through our life, that we would be people marked by what you've done for us, not led by our flesh or led by this world, but led by the Spirit of God. We love you. We thank you for meeting us here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? So proud of you.